0: just want to say to you, there are deeper and greater levels in the Holy Spirit for you in this decade. Anybody want to experience more of the, of the power of the Spirit in their life? Who needs a greater sense of the power of the Holy Spirit in their life? Give me a wave of that shoe. You. you know, if all of these things are on offer from God, I would just say yes to them. You know, the Lord always loves to pour out His Spirit. Greater insights, greater revelation... You know, some of us are stunted on our journey because we haven't seen something that we need to see to be able to go to the next level in God. It's one thing just reading the scriptures on a daily basis, and that's great, that's a great discipline, and it does something for us quite profound. But you know, God's word is living. It's active, it's powerful, it's alive. And so we want to read with a huge sense of curiosity and a real desire to understand the nature and the person. We call Christ. Amen. Who, who feels a little bit stuck? You've been kind of stuck in a place. There's a, there's a phrase from a U2 song. I know you're all contemporary people. You'll know what I'm talking. Stuck in a moment and you just, just can't get out of it. Is there anybody who feels a little stuck tonight? Why don't you stand to your feet if you feel stuck tonight? We're about to unstick you. Is that okay? Yeah, be honest. I don't know why people are shy in church about things like that. We all, from time to time, get stuck in a place and don't really know how to move forward. But, you know, Father, I pray tonight in the name of your Son, Jesus, that you would open our hearts and open our spiritual eyes to see what we need to see. Because, Lord, as we see what we need to see, we can become who we're called to become. Father, I pray in Jesus' name for increased revelation. Lord, you would just speak prophetically over our lives. Lord, we're reading your word. It'll jump into our hearts. Rhema, coming from heaven, Lord, bringing life and resources for us to move forward. And Father, right now in Jesus' name, everybody who's stuck, we unstick them in the heavenly realms, Father. Your word says, what we loose in the heavens will be loosed on earth, Father. We unstick them in the heavenly realms. And whatever's causing them to be stuck to that place, we break those chains in Jesus' name. Father, we release your people into abundance, into fullness, and into blessing. And all God's people said "Amen." Amen. 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 Have a seat. Is there anyone here tonight and you find that you just can't see the Lord clearly in this season of your life? You know, sometimes we get so familiar with God. That familiarity tends to breed a sense of of dullness to our spirit. Is there anybody who would like a greater sense of awareness of what God is doing in and around their life? Anybody who's saying, Lord, I just need to see that you're at work. I love the song. I keep waking up with it. You know, uh, whether I'm aware or not aware, God is at work in my life. That's the truth. Listen, I can't think of the song, but I keep waking up with it every single morning these last few months. You know, whether I'm sleeping or whether I'm awake or whatever's happening, you're always at work, and God is always at work in our lives. Amen, church. Always at work. He never sleeps and he slumbers. He can't keep away from you, and he won't take his hand off you. God is absolutely besotted with you, and he's besotted with bringing you into fullness and bringing you into life. And is there anybody here who just thinks that the, your your capacity to see him and your your kind of awareness of what he's doing has just become a little bit jaded, a little bit tired. If that's you, why don't you stand for me, please? No, this is not normally what we do on a Sunday night, but it may become normal to us. Is that okay? Is it okay to allow the Holy Spirit to minister to people? Do we have to wait to the end for that to happen? Is God not at work already amongst us? Amen? Amen. And up in the balcony, I think there's some more stuck people in the balcony. You look like you're stuck to your chairs, actually, from where I'm standing. But, you know, if, if you're stuck in a moment, stuck in a place and you can't see God or your, or your heavenly awareness of God, your perception of what God is doing in your life has become a little dulled, we just want to pray for you. So lift your hands. And if you're around these people, just reach your hand out towards them. Just bless what the Lord is about to do in their lives. Father, I thank you. I thank you with all my heart tonight that you do not want your people to live in ignorance. It is not your will, God, that we are blinded to what you're doing in our hearts and our lives. Father, if disappointment has affected our eyesight spiritually, in Jesus' name, we repent and we ask, Lord God, that you would renew our vision. We say over our lives, be thou my vision, O Lord of my life. Father, would you give me supernatural capacity To see what it is that you're doing in my life, some of you tonight need to tell you there's a fruit of the spirit that God is already working on in your life. God is very strategically working on something in your life, forming in you the nature and the character of who He is. Please stop blaming the the devil and start to embrace the season you're in, and say, Father God, be it unto me according to Your will, O God. I trust You with my life, Father, and I pray, Lord God, You would open the eyes of our heart that we may see You more clearly, Lord. You are the God who delights to reveal himself, so Lord, reveal yourself to us, in us, through us, Lord, we ask in Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. So we're starting a new series tonight, um, and um, I just want to say I'm going to go after a couple of things, is that okay? Is it okay for me to go after things? You know, I think if you set out to experience some things with the Lord, he honors that. I think it's called faith in the Bible. Is that okay? Yes. And, and so over these times, whenever I'm speaking on the subject that we're going to start tonight, I'm going to go after some things. Here's what I'm going after. A greater measure of the presence of the Lord. Yes? Some of you don't look very sure about that. <laughs> but you know, unless the Lord builds the house, we're just working up a frenzy and a froth. Nothing changes. There's something about His presence That is essential to our spiritual growth and maturity. You cannot become who you're called to become outside of the presence of God. Human effort won't get you there. All of your intellectual understanding of what is or isn't truth will not cause you to arrive. You need the presence of God. And the presence of God is available to anyone who desires Him. Anyone who desires Him. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul longs after you, O God. So I'm going to go after greater levels of his presence. I'm going to prepare myself for that. As we come together on a a Sunday evening, I'm going to get myself as ready for that as possible. Can I encourage you to do likewise? If we come with that kind of intentionality, we're going to have the most amazing experiences in God. And of course, God doesn't have to dance because we're asking him to. But he loves to turn up amongst his people. And guess what happens when we start to experience deeper levels of his presence? We get fullness of joy. Now, looking at your faces, it's been a while, but I think it's having a comeback. We get fullness of joy. Now, that's not superficial. That's not, you know, happiness in the sense that we understand it. It's just that great and glorious sense that it is well with our souls. Our God is good. His hand is upon our lives, and we can rejoice in Him and be glad because He is who He says He is, and He's doing everything He promised He would do. Who would like greater levels of joy? levels of joy. I'm looking forward to those great experiences with God. Another thing I'm going after is I'm going after God healing the sick. I believe that we should intentionally pray for people who are unwell. Sometimes we're just a little bit polite, you know, a little bit nice and a little bit reserved, a little bit hesitant, and a little bit afraid that we won't get it right. Well, you know, none of that is down to us. All God asked for us to do was to lay hands on the sick. He wants to use our lives to demonstrate his glory. Amen. Amen. And some of you are going to be praying for people and they're going to get healed. Who would like to see God use them like that? Amen. Amen. So I'm looking forward to all of the great things the Lord is going to do. And at the end of tonight's service, we're going to start with that intent. We're going to be praying for people who have physical difficulties in their bodies. Another thing I'm going after is renewal. I believe that we really need to be renewed. You know, when you live with Jesus as we do and walk in the world the way we best can, you find that you pick up some things. Do you ever notice that? It's almost like we need a heavenly antivirus. We just pick up some things. We just collect some things that aren't good for us. And we may have started out this year with all kinds of great expectations to find that we're not living in that same sense of consistency. I believe that God, this is a moment where God wants us to break through into something fresh, into something new in the Holy Spirit. And that's more than just encounter. That's God upgrading our lives and renewing our souls and restoring us for all that He wants to do. Do you know that joy can take you where diligence won't? Hello? Do you know that God, through the sense of the love that you feel in Him, the Father's love, will draw you into the great deep places that God has for you? And you can be really, really hardworking and trying to be disciplined, and you will not get there in the same way or manner. It's love that draws you to deeper things in God, not just due to your responsibility. So how many of us would like a greater sense of that amongst us, that refreshing of the Holy Spirit? I think the psalmist David puts it this word, restore to me the joy of your salvation. Oh, God, let it come. Let it come, Holy Spirit. Let it come over us tonight. Anybody in the balcony want the joy of God's salvation to be restored? What about here on the lower level? The joy of the Lord's salvation to be restored? Come on, church. Come on. Just work with the Spirit. He wants and desires to do something fresh and new for you. And the fourth thing that I'm going to go after, and I, I feel it's an invitation from God. Please don't think I'm being audacious. I'm going to go after salvation. I want you to start praying and bringing people on Sunday evenings for the Lord to bring them to salvation. The work that you're doing behind the scenes can come to a moment where somehow in the atmosphere and all that God is doing, people start to have a revelation about who Jesus is. And I'm believing we're going to see many people saved in this decade. You know, I believe it's countless thousands of people that are going to come to faith in this decade. Now, I can tell by your lack of affirmative response, that you don't have maybe the same sense. And that's okay because I've had times and seasons like that. But you know, our confidence is not in our confidence. (laughs) Our confidence is in the God who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. And God loves to bring people into relationship with him. So be praying for people, invite people along, and every time we meet, we're going to just ask the Lord to touch hearts and open people up to the reality of who Jesus is. So those are my four intentionalities over these next few weeks as we gather. But tonight, I want to draw your attention to something that I think is a good starting point for us, and we've kind of sung it, but we need to become it. Um, The title of tonight's sermon is Getting Back to God. It seems to me that the church loves to sing songs it doesn't believe we say Christ is enough, and we've been singing that tonight, and we've sung it a few times today is a great song, but actually we keep adding things. We think it's Jesus plus, don't we? What if I was to say to you that all of your pluses are becoming minuses in the kingdom of God? What if the nature of what we're about to experience means that we need to declutter some things so that we can embrace a greater truth? What if God was inviting us to upgrade our confidence in the reality of who Christ is for us? What if God was leading us beyond just our human intellectual endeavor to the place of revelation, posturing us before him with certainty and confidence that the God that we worship has everything at his disposal to do what he chooses to do in our lives and the world around us? What if we need to get rid of something so that we can embrace a greater truth, a greater level of revelation that Jesus is more than enough? I mean, we've sung it today, you're more than enough, you're more than enough for me, Jesus, but I guarantee you that throughout the course of this day, you've added a few ingredients. We're singing, Christ is enough, he's more than enough for me, and I guarantee you by the morning, because he hasn't turned up the way you expected him to or performed the way you wanted him to, you will have added certain human endeavours. What if I was to say to you that Christ, the certainty of who He is, the promise of all that He brings, and the reality of Him being the King of kings is more than sufficient to produce in you and to produce through you the kingdom of heaven. Christ is the all-sufficient one. You are not, and He doesn't need you to add anything to that. And you could certainly never take anything away from that reality. Everlasting to everlasting, which is ever faithful to ever faithful, is the Lord. God is always good. He is excellent. I mean, if you think of something that's excellent and multiply it by about a billion, you might start to have some idea of the reality of who God truly is. He is everything we dream and far more than we can imagine. Do you know that God is better than you think he is? How many of us think that God is good? You're just on the fringes of his goodness. There is a place to journey with him in this decade where his goodness, even though you can't fully understand it, becomes available to you. Anybody here tonight think that God might be powerful? You see, I've seen God powerfully heal bodies. But you know, the greatest miracle for me is people coming out of blindness into the revelation of who Jesus is. If God can do that, He can do anything. And as we step towards this decade, He is more than enough to bring people into the kingdom of God. Yes, He will use you. Yes, you will partner with Him to that end. But actually, it's God who saves. You don't save anybody. You don't heal anybody. And it feels to me that we have a vocabulary that isn't a reality sometimes. It seems to me that we have a gap in our understanding. We say, God, You are all sufficient, but we live like He isn't. We live like he is not interested. We live like he's not involved. God is with you. God is with you, church. God is here. He's here in all his fullness. So let me take you to the scripture, and I'm going to just say a few things, and we're going to have a time of ministry, so we'll try not to be too long, but I'm Irish, and we talk for gold. Okay, (laughs) Psalm 20, Psalm 20 for me. It's a, a scripture I've read, I don't know how many hundreds of times over my walk with Jesus Christ, but it somehow just impacted me. In this last week or two, as I was going through some personal circumstances and I felt that God really ministered to me through this word. Psalm 20, verse 7 says, Some trust in chariots and some trust in horses. And I think the authorized version says, But we will trust in the name of the Lord. Why don't you say that out loud with me? Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will trust. In the name of the Lord. One more time, some trust in chariots, some trust in horses, but we, how about I will trust in the name of the Lord? You see, at a casual glance of this scripture, it does not look like it has any great relevance to our day to day living. In fact, having read it a number of times myself, I confess to you that I haven't necessarily seen the invitations attached to it that God would have me see. And I think the reason for that is it sounds a little archaic. I mean, has anybody seen today a chariot running around the streets of London? No, I don't think they're allowed on the roads these days, are they? And we see them as something that's from the past or a bygone age or indeed something that's not necessarily of any relevance to us in our thinking. But actually, the truth is, as we look at this Word, and we have to really look into it a little bit deeper, we can see that God's Word is timeless. And everything written in His Word has life attached to it. God's Word is powerful, and it's transformative. And when you start to allow His Word to form its reality in you, you come into a greater sense of God's reality. I saw something here I never saw before, and I, I want to say a little bit about this particular scripture. Um, I don't normally share out of what is a current experience for me. I usually like to think that I've gone, gone through something, but actually, I've been going through a season in the last few months, really, of uncertainty about a whole bunch of things, a lack of clarity about certain things, I've trying to do warfare in certain ways. Have you ever tried in certain seasons of your life to repeat what you did the last time you were in the warfare? Has anybody discovered it doesn't always work? whatever weapon you were using back there doesn't seem to be affecting right here. Has anybody ever discovered that? And so I felt the Lord just begin to minister to me around this and a couple of things that he showed me I wanted to share with you and I will do so in a second or two. But context is important. In ancient Israel, the chariot was used for warfare. And it was probably akin to a missile today. If you had a chariot, you had an advantage, okay? And it was a really powerful force because as it sped through the battlefield on the inner circle of its wheel, in the, in the hub of its wheel, it would have these large blades that would stick out and they would just destroy everything in their wake. Now, chariots held three people. There was usually the warrior, the person who was the skilled architect of warfare. There would be a shield bearer, that's somebody to bring protection to the the warrior as he was seeking to uh, engage in warfare. And there was the chariot driver. You know, and most of these, most of these chariots were actually driven by very powerful horses, sometimes up to even four horses. And they caused fear and intimidation. And they moved really quickly and wrecked everything in their path. So as we look at the scripture, we realize there's a context to this. And it's a context that's certainly important for the Israelites, but also important for us today. And here's the reason why. Because while it says that some trust in chariots, others in horses, we will trust in the name of the Lord. What we see is a repetitive theme throughout the scriptures of God reminding his people that his name is more powerful than anything. It's God aligning his people with the certainty and the reality that in warfare and in advancement, God's name carries more weight. It's far more intimidating to the devil. It's far more powerful and far more successful than anything else that could happen. In fact, God so wanted his people to believe that, that he forbid Israel to use chariots and he even discouraged them from using horses in battle. Now, I don't know if you have ever been in a battle. Um, I hope to goodness you haven't. But it's, it's quite intimidating to think that you're going out with hardly anything. And your warfare is against people who seem to have all the resources. Can I just say to you, church, do you ever feel that's a little like how you feel with the devil? Like you, you feel like you have very little Very little faith, very little confidence, very little skill, very little ability. And it would seem to me that God's not trying to prop that up with some things. He's not trying to add some things. It's almost like that vulnerability has a power attached to it. That sense of vulnerability causes us to draw on the reality of God. Do you know that the weapons of our warfare are not material? You think that the biggest gift God could give you is more money or greater success, maybe then you'd be more powerful. You can be powerful right now and have nothing like that in your life. Because the weapon of your warfare is not something external. It's the power of God's name. Do you know at the name of Jesus, demons tremble? At the name of Jesus, bodies click back into healing. At the name of Jesus, minds become delivered from troubled and adult thoughts. At the name of Jesus, hearts are healed. At the name of Jesus, bodies are raised from the dead. All over this world, the name of Jesus is the most intimidating, powerful weapon that the Christian has. And God forbid his people to trust in chariots or even horses. He wanted them to walk in a vulnerability. A vulnerability that drew them consistently to depend on the name of the Lord. In Deuteronomy chapter 17, verse 16, it says, The king, moreover, must not acquire great numbers of horses for himself or make the people return to Egypt to get any of them. For the Lord has told you, you are not to go back that way again. Israel, like you and I, must have felt terror in the midst of adversity because God somehow in his wisdom stripped it all back, stripped away all the paraphernalia, stripped away all the pomp, stripped away all the props and said, just trust me. Just trust me. Now, we were singing, weren't we, Christ is enough? As we start to walk through this process, you realize that it's quite an intimidating thing to stand in the certainty that we have in Christ Jesus. But it's more than you need and all that you require to see God bring you into the future that he has desired for you. Please, there is nothing on heaven and earth as powerful as the name of Jesus Christ because his name is attached to his nature. And his nature is powerful and holy and righteous and good and just. When you use the name of the Lord in the midst of your circumstances, you are reordering this world to come into alignment with the heavenlies. You're speaking truth where there is deception. And you're causing the adversities that come against you to melt like wax in the presence of the Lord. In Deuteronomy 20, verse 1 to 4, it says, When you go to war against your enemies and see horses and chariots and an army greater than yours, do not be afraid of them. It just sounds so easy, doesn't it? (laughs) And sometimes I think when we read the scriptures, we dehumanize the people. We don't realize that they, like you, are flesh and blood. Like me, are just ordinary people. Trying to move forward and advance in the purposes of God. And this is the reason why we don't need such things. Because the Lord your God who brought you up out of Egypt will be with you. You see, as we practice his presence over these days, these weeks that unfold, there is going to come a sense of robust spirituality to you that will make you fierce fierce in a good sense not fierce in an angsty sense but fierce do you know that love is a powerful weapon of mass destruction against the enemy you know what it's like when you're in love with somebody it doesn't matter what anybody else says about them you're just smitten you know i when I first had Emily I used to have this picture I used to take it out and show I don't think anybody was really interested and I wasn't even interested that they were disinterested If I'm really honest, I was just so in love with the fact that God had blessed us with this beautiful child. Love is a powerful thing. And people who didn't even like children ended up liking Emily. Because I made sure that they did. I was so caught up with what God is doing. Do you know love is a powerful thing? When we're in His presence, we get so loved by Him that we become fierce In our pursuit of God's plan for our lives. But also around us, people start to come around. They start to have a turning to that which God wants to accomplish. Why do we not need to be intimidated? Because the Lord is with us. You see, the devil loves trinkets and treasures. The devil loves to to, to show off. One of my favorite stories in the scriptures of how God uses just ordinary and, and, and stripped back humanity is the story of Goliath and David. There he was in all his trappings and his big mouth and his big shield and his big whatever else was with him. And David is just this little boy, you know, he's like a, he's barely into his teens. But God was with him. God was with him, and he turns up in this environment where everybody's intimidated by Goliath. Men of warfare are quaking in their boots. They're hiding in the baggage department, trying to keep away from being catalyzed into a moment. And something inside of him, because he's a carrier of the presence of God, he knows who God is, and he knows who whose God has been for him over the course of his journey, just has a real sense of Holy Spirit truth. It just comes upon him and he stands face to face with this giant. And out of the simplicity, the stripped back reality, having taken off Saul's armor, he takes out what he knows, the faithfulness of God, and he takes down the opposing thing. You with Christ is more than enough. Christ with you is more than enough. Please, we don't need to hoo-ha about that. That's the reality of what we're carrying. His presence is more than enough to destroy the works of the enemy around you. When you go into battle, the priest shall come forward and address the army. He shall say, hear Israel, today you are going into battle against your enemies. Do not be faint-hearted. Can I just say that over you? As we step into this decade, do not be faint-hearted. I pray that the lion of the tribe of Judah will give you such a courageous heart. Do not be faint-hearted. Do not be afraid, please. Let's get rid of fear. Whom shall you fear when God is with you? You're all saying amen, but tomorrow is going to be all me. Whom shall you fear when God is with you? When we said Christ is enough, what we really mean is this. God, there is nothing that is superior to your power. There is no circumstance, no situation, no demon, no sickness, no problem that's superior to your reality. You are more than enough, God. More than enough. We don't need to be afraid, therefore. intimidated by what's happening around us. Do not be faint-hearted or afraid. Do not panic. Is there anybody here who panics? Do you know, sometimes I listen to people pray and they're praying panic prayers. Do you ever pray a panic prayer? Can I give you a little example? Oh God, if you only would. Sometimes we're praying to God like he doesn't care about what's happening to us, like he's not interested, and we think if we can make it really intense, he's going to turn up. How about this for reality? He's already with you. He is already with you. Maybe you need to turn up. Maybe you need to show up in that moment and say, God, you're with me. Why would I be intimidated by this? I don't need to pay a panic pay. You you have promised me, God, that the reward for me is going to be good. You have plans to prosper and to bless me. I might stand at a moment where it looks like it's not happening, but I'm not believing what I'm seeing. I'm believing who I know. God, you have promised me that you're going to bless me. Do you know in this decade ahead, you're going to have to get a little bit resilient with that? You know, you're going to have to stop being soulish. Operating out of your human flesh, You've got to allow your spirit to come into partnership with the pursuit of God. For the Lord your God is one, and he goes with you to fight for you against your enemies to give you victory. Psalm 20. Some trust in chariots, some in horses, but we shall trust in the name of the Lord. At the end of this particular psalm, there's this little phrase here, and I just want to help you with it for a moment or two. It says, We will trust in the name of the Lord. What they're saying is, We will remember the faithfulness of our God. Do you know as you step towards this decade with all that's going to come for you and even sometimes against you? Here's what the enemy doesn't want you to do He doesn't want you to remember the faithfulness of God. He wants to distract you with the moment you find yourself in. But you know, you have a treasury where God has turned up repeatedly across your life. Is there anybody here tonight who can look back across your life and see that God is truly faithful? Have you ever been in a moment or a time where you thought, I'll never get through this? And not only have you got through it, but you got over it, you got past it, and you're celebrating it. God made a way where there appeared to be no way. Has has there ever been a relationship you thought that's never going to be right and you've tried everything you can and then suddenly God just switches on a light inside of you and you suddenly know how you need to respond to that person and it's like it never went wrong? Some of you are not sure about that. It's like it never went wrong. Why? Why do those things happen to us? Because the Lord is faithful to His people and He is faithful to the plan He has for your life. How many of us have thrown in the towel when we should have picked it up? Or you've just had so many fallings out with Jesus. Have you noticed he's always generously kind and invites you back into relationship? Breakthrough after breakthrough, moment after moment, day after day, during the course of our life, since we were formed and knitted together in our mother's womb, our God is faithful and he's faithful to you, and he's faithful to his promises. And you see, that's probably what David did whenever he was faced with Goliath. He recalled the time when he took down the lion. He recalled the time when he took down the bear. And there's something about remembering that bolsters our faith. When we see the hand of God and remind ourselves of the faithfulness of God, we get faith. We get courage to face the things that lie ahead. And so, at the end of this particular scripture, says, "We, God, brought down the fallen, but we are risen and standing up because we have remembered the Lord. We have remembered His goodness. We've remembered His power. We've remembered His commitment to us. We've remembered His capacity to break through." So, let me just talk you through some things that we need to get rid of, okay, so that we can embrace this clear reality that Christ is enough. What is a chariot in our modern context? Well, I think, in essence, it's anything that we put our trust in that is formed or fashioned out of human ingenuity or capacity. For us to move forward in the decade that lies ahead, we cannot do it out of human logic. We must not rely on those things. Those things are temporal, temporal. I'm often faced with problems and I try and figure my way out. Do you ever do that? Does anybody like me? Or I figure I know somebody who could get me out. Does anybody do that? Or I recall a time or a season in my life where I did this and this happened. It's almost like I've, I've become slightly trained by the process. But can I say to you, as amazing as your ingenuity is, it's not the wisdom of heaven. You and I need the wisdom of heaven. We need God to speak to us. We need God to reveal to us His plan and His purpose. You know, the scriptures tell us that God's ways are not our ways and His words are not our words, but you would never know that because many of us in this room have a God that we have produced that's shaped in the conscious awareness of our own image. God's ways are higher than yours. You know, God has a key to unlock things and you didn't even know there was a lock. Do that God has a word that will bring life, and you don't even remember your name? God has ways, and as we step towards this decade, we need to understand his ways. Let me give you some examples. When you're faced with adversity, here's what you do. You rise up, okay? And we have lots of Bible verses to tell us that we should arise and shine, for the light has come. But actually, The weapons of your warfare are not in your human capacity to tear down strongholds. Here's the rising up. It's called falling down in the kingdom of God. If you want to truly rise up, you need to get down. That's a kingdom principle. Remind yourself the next time you start rising up. Okay, so I've watched for years, and I'm not against this, but sometimes I think Christians complain about everything. I've worked this out. If you're going to complain, complain to somebody who can change it. Otherwise known as prayer. And while we are upset with everybody about everything, maybe the one thing we need to do above all things is get down on our knees before the throne of grace and start crying out to God to bring transforming power to the world around us. Now, you can wag your finger and shake your head at all the injustice in the world. Okay, and you can have an opinion. I think opinions are little like faces. Everybody has one. Okay, and all of that is fine, but that's human. What we need is God to speak. We need God's wisdom on circumstances. What's going to unlock the city of London? Our human chariot capacity? Another program, another endeavor, another adventure? No, we need God to speak. God can unlock the city of London. God has a plan and a purpose for the city of London. Amen. Your workplace. You've been trying to move forward in it for years. And you've postured yourself and worked harder and done everything you can. Zilch. Nothing shifted or changed. Because you can't trust in chariots. You can only trust in the name of the Lord. If you want to move forward in that capacity, get down on your knees before God. You pray, God, give me the key to unlock this circumstance. Give me the key to win favor with this person. Lord, reveal to me your plan and your purpose in this moment. It's time for the church to move away from human ingenuity and to start to step towards the God of glory who has answers to questions we're not even asking now. Revelation upon revelation to bring us into the fullness of his plan and his purpose. What chariot have you been trusting in your life? Now, some of us were born orphans. Now, what I mean by that is we may have had parents, but actually we've been survivors. I'm a survivor. We've been doing it since we were one, okay? We don't know how to trust people. And just because you're a Christian doesn't mean suddenly it's all good with God. You've been doing it for yourself for years making your own way, moving yourself forward, finding your feet, whatever you want to call it, actually, it doesn't get you where you need to go. All of that effort and all of that striving and all of that trying to be or produce what you think you can, it's all human. It's a chariot and it will never produce for you what a wisdom, resounding word from heaven can produce. Please, don't trust in chariots. Don't trust in your human ingenuity to bring about God's realities. second thing is you can't trust in is in horses. Now, horses are created by God. There are sometimes the most glorious seasons in our life where God just shows up and gives us gifts. Have you ever noticed that? Is there anybody here who can prophesy? I'm ready. So anybody here who... Who's seen God use them to bring healing to another human heart? Come on, talk to me. Is there anyone here who's led anyone to Jesus Christ? Amen. The Holy Spirit is such a great gift giver. In fact, He is the greatest gift to us other than the reality of Jesus Christ. No other one will be able to help us move forward in our lives. But you know, in the season that lies ahead, your gifts are not going to cut it. Even if they've come from God, they're not going to be sufficient. Because your gifts are temporal. What God wants us to rely on is something far more than just the blessings that he's given us. So so let's clear the clutter. We can't trust in chariots. We can't trust in our capacities and our abilities to move things forward. Amen? Now remember you were singing, Christ is enough for me. Don't look disappointed at this moment. What we're doing is coming into partnership with the truth we've declared, amen? amen. Okay? So we're not gonna rely on that, please God, amen? Amen? amen. Okay. We cannot rely on just the gifts that God has given us, as good as they are, as powerful as they are, they, they are a blessing to us and they can come in all shapes and sizes. You may be incredibly intelligent, wonderfully talented. I mean, you may sing and mountains may melt. I don't know what's going on in your life. But the gifts that God has given you, they're also temporal. When you go, they go. So what can we trust in? We can trust in the name of the Lord. Now the name of the Lord is a strong tower. And the righteous are called to live under the canopy of His name. The God of glory invites us to abide in His reality. To be still, to know that he is God. And to allow him to fashion and shape our lives with such a robust confidence in relationship with him. That we become God's secret weapons of mass destruction. To tear down the strongholds of the enemy. So some will choose to continue trusting in chariots. But the battle will never truly be won that way. Others will consider their gifts and the blessings of God enough to carry them into the future. But they will never fully embrace all that God has for them. But those who trust in the name of the Lord, those who recognize there is no higher name, no greater authority, no more profound power than the reality of the name and the nature of God, actually, they will win the battles in the days that lie ahead. God is trying to restore to His church a confidence in who he is for them. And you know, we have tried everything to win this world for Jesus. I mean, we have so desired to see people come to Christ, we have added and bolted on, I don't know how many things to the body of Christ. I often say to people, if Jesus was to come back tonight, we'd be more like the bride of Frankenstein than we are the bride of Christ. We have just added on everything and added on everything. Do you know that the New Testament church just had Jesus? Jesus was enough. And look what happened. Look what happened when Jesus was all they had and Jesus was all they knew and Jesus was all they spoke about and Jesus was their confidence and their strength. They were so profoundly courageous they were willing to even give their lives because they could not deny who Jesus was or what Jesus had produced in them. A time is coming in the church where we have to get back to that kind of clarity. We have tried chariots We have celebrated horses, but I charge you in the mighty and powerful name of Jesus to trust in his name. Trust in the name of the Lord. When God's name is mentioned in Scripture, it's always attached to his character. God is nature, his character is all you need to step towards the adventure and to win the victories that God has for you in this decade.